Byron bats. He swings and launches to left field and deep. Back it goes and gone. Home run, Buxton. A line drive pulled to left, and the Twins take a 2-0 lead here in the second. So, if you haven't heard, let me share some good news. There is a new collective bargaining agreement this afternoon. The league did reach an agreement with the Players Union. The lockout is over. It needs to be ratified. News could come any moment of the official ratification. But after 99 days of back and forth negotiating, we appear to have a deal. And uh, we're talking a full 162-game season. Opening day tentatively set for April 7th. That's league-wide. Not sure what the specifics will be yet with the Twins, but of course we're going to be all over that since we are your Twins station and we are very excited. Um, and we're excited for Twins fans, for baseball fans. It's, it's a part of spring. And so a lot of people very happy. Nine inning double headers. No man on second base in extra innings. There are some changes. Free agency begins tonight. You'll be hearing more. Maxie's going to have updates as well. But uh, the lockout is over. DJ, you're pretty happy about that, right? I know oh, you are. Yeah, I, it's, it's cause to celebrate. And look at it, it's maybe small news compared to other things going on in the world, but it means a little bit of normal for us that we'll get to go to Target Field and yep. uh, celebrate the Twins this year. So I think it's nothing but good news. What do you think about the DH in the NL, though? <laughs> I uh, you got an opinion, no on, opinion. The, on the designated hitter? No, I, I, I look. I I don't know, DJ. That the, I I just want to watch baseball. <laughs> I I don't get into the minutia. I'm not I'm not the statistician. Um, you know, I I, I think it, it it might hurt the Twins. The, the new rules. I, yeah. I I don't pretend to have concrete information on on what exactly the implications are but um i'm I'm a little bit concerned but i'm more happy than anything else (laughs) i i interned for the twins about uh, i don't know 15 years ago now or so and that was one of my interview questions when i interviewed for this internship with the twins was you you know among all the other normal hr interviews it was what do you think about the dh position and uh, yes. I thought and it was what pretty, do you think of what cool. do you think about the? DH I actually wish they would have gone the other way. I think they should get rid of it altogether, and you have nine guys in the field and all nine bat. That's how I think it should be. I'm a, I'm a bit of a purist, but I, I get why they're going the other direction. But so, but why are they going that direction? I mean, why is that good for baseball? Um, because pitchers are bad hitters, and you basically get to trade your the the worst hitter on the team for theoretically the best hitter on the team so that right that nine slot that's usually an automatic out or you know the pitching slot or you're maybe lucky if you have somebody batting you know anywhere close to 200 you trade that for nelson cruz who can't really play the field but he's hitting the cover off the ball so more runs more home runs uh more scoring that's why they're doing it isn't that discriminatory for for pitchers well the pitchers don't want to hit either they just <laughs> the pitchers want to go you know, pitchers most just of them, some pitch. do, but the pitchers just want to go out and do their job and and execute their craft and pitch every five days or whatever it is. 
Most of them don't want to hit either. But I think they should have to. I don't care if you don't want to. It's part of the game. Everybody hits. I think they should hit. Yeah. I I tend to agree. But more importantly, we can have this discussion because, gall darn it, baseball is going to be back in uh, 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 spring training games starting in about a week and the regular season in under a month. How about that? Yeah. April 7th, opening day. So happy to hear the good news. I uh, booked a ticket uh a flight to see my dad. Fulker is 91, and I try to see him every two months. And the air prices, the uh, airfares have doubled since the last time I flew out back in November. I think a lot of people are getting sticker shock. If they're planning a spring break trip or a summer trip. And I'm not sure why that is. Is that gas? The price of aviation fuel has gone up, and so I don't know why it's gone up so much. I mean, I I don't think it's, I mean, sure, I think a small percentage could be gas, but even if gas doubles, it doesn't mean your ticket should anywhere near double because that's just one of the expenses they have. But I I know that travel is, I can't remember if it's at or above or close, but to pre-pandemic levels, but it has bounced back dramatically. And especially with Omicron in the the past now, uh, a, a lot of people are choosing to travel again. And I think that's the main driver for prices. And I think we have more demand than we do supply yes. in terms of yep. pilots yep. and planes. Absolutely. And I I think there's some catching up there. Yeah. So, um, oh, I saw TSA extending the mask mandate on airplanes and public transportation through at least April 18th. So we'll continue to see videos of buffoons turning yeah. masks into a referendum on freedom. On an airplane. By the way, you don't have the freedom to do whatever you want on an airplane because that's a private enterprise, right? Yeah, I agree, Delta but, makes but, the rules. Yeah, they do. You well, don't the, make the rules. The, the Federal Aviation or whatever makes the rules. But, uh, Paul, what do you think about that? As, you know, states and municipalities are dropping mask mandates. We just heard now in Minneapolis and St. Paul, even in city buildings, they're not requiring masks. So now in Minneapolis... The only place you have to wear a mask, other than some businesses that choose to require it on their own, is on the bus and on the light rail and in the airport. Do you think that makes sense to, to single out those industries and those places? Well, the CDC is supposedly studying what's happening right now. And, and look, everything is in flux. Omicron, this latest variant, continues to dwindle. Is there going to be another variant? I mean, the worst thing that could happen right now, we all let our guard down. We let our masks down. We go back to 2019. And trust me, I want this as much as everybody else. And then another variant bites us in the butt later in the spring. And I I see no evidence of that, but I always get a little paranoid that maybe we're moving a little bit too fast. So I guess... You know, when it comes to being in close proximity to other people, whether it's on light rail or on a plane, I don't mind erring on the side of caution for another month. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to wear the mask and it's inconvenient. But there are a lot of things that are inconvenient. Sometimes politics can be inconvenient. When we come back, Dr. Dave Schultz from Hamlin is going to weigh in on Matt Burke Ilhan Omar voting no on this uh, this drive to cut off Russian oil. One of the few Democrats to do that. Uh, we're going to talk 
races and who's vulnerable, who isn't, and uh, where does Corey Hebelis stand in the governor's race? That's coming up next on CCO. Paul Douglas, DJ, Jordana here in spirit. Twins will be playing baseball next month. Very excited to hear that. And uh, we'll be talking more about politics as November approaches. Former Minneapolis City Council member and public safety advocate Don Samuels is launching a bid against Representative Ilhan Omar for Minnesota's 5th Congressional District seat. With us to talk about his prospects, uh, is she vulnerable? We've got questions. Professor Dave Schultz, poli-sci professor from Hamlin University, always has great insight. Thank you for joining us, Professor. My pleasure for having me, and thanks to the audience. Well, I'm just curious about... uh, this specific race, the 5th Congressional District with Don Samuels tossing his hat in the ring. Late yesterday, this vote on banning Russian oil. Just about every Democrat in the House, including Betty McCollum, Angie Craig, Dean Phillips, they all voted for the ban. But not Representative Ilhan Omar, who went on to say... Uh, And I thought this was interesting. Dependence on oil means a dependence on tyrants. I'm also gravely concerned this ban will mean ramping up domestic production. We must move on to a green economy for this and many reasons. You know, I believe me, I've been talking about climate change for 25 years. Uh, We need to phase out fossil fuels eventually, but in the short term, I don't know how we do that and keep the wheels on the bus, literally. Um, Does this make her more vulnerable? What is your insight into this? Okay, it certainly does not help her whatsoever. But let's sort of think about the the 5th District Congressional race here in general. First off, we know it's one of the most solidly Democratic districts in the country. Mm -hmm. And even after redistricting, where now the 5th District pushes a little bit further into, let's say, Golden Valley and suburbs, it's still a pretty solidly district, mostly Minneapolis in terms of what it is. And the reason why I mention this is that the, the winner of the, of the primary, whoever wins the Democratic primary, is still likely to win um, the, you know, the general election. So the convention primary become important. Having said that, Don Samuels is positioning himself in a very interesting way as somebody who's going to talk about education reform, somebody who's going to talk all about um, police reform, um, and he's going to portray himself as trying to be somebody, I would say, more centrist and to try to paint Ilhan Omar as being sort of out of touch. But Omar has got several advantages. She's already the incumbent, which means she gets to use that. She's got name recognition, which helps. Um, She also has raised an incredible amount of money. So she's got a lot of advantages, and and beating her is not going to be easy. But Sam is what he has to do is prevent her, for example, from getting the endorsement at the convention. Um, And then immediately, I'm going to say, I think he's got to do right now is just start raising a ton of money. Hmm. Now, wondering just how big an issue crime and public safety is going to be. I, I know that Samuels went after Omar and, and last fall's Minneapolis ballot question that 
could have replaced the city's police department with a new public mm -hmm. safety agency. The whole defund the police, is she vulnerable there? I think she is. You know, the fact that the murder rates and crime rates are still high in Minneapolis, and I think there's anxiety in the suburbs about it. I think she remains vulnerable on that. I think that's also one of um, um, Samuel's, I think, strengths in terms of a candidate. He's carved out a position on that. So I think that's a vulnerability for her. Um, I'll be curious to also see how he positions himself on the economy issues in terms of, I think people are very, very antsy right now about inflation, but then also this this, if you had talked to me yesterday, um, I would have given a slightly different answer here. But I think this vote on Ukraine is not going to play well, you know, because I think, as you pointed out here, Democrats and Republicans, there's a pretty powerful bipartisan consensus right now um, about doing something about Russian oil and about Ukraine. And I don't think she positioned herself well. So if Samuels can say, listen, I'm better situated um, with, as, as a centrist Democrat, he can pick up Republican vote, centrist Democrats, and pick up Democrats who have been unhappy um, with Omar on a variety of issues. Uh, he positions himself well. Again, the hurdles are high, but he is potentially a formidable candidate. Hmm. So, Professor Schultz, let's pivot to the governor's race. We've got Senator Paul Gazelka, Rich Stanek, Senator Michelle Benson, Kendall Qualls, uh, Lexington Mayor Mike Murphy, Dr. Neil Shaw, and uh, Dr. Scott Jensen. And he just named former Minnesota Viking Senator Matt Burke to be his running mate as lieutenant governor. And I couldn't help but notice something that Matt Burke said, who appears, I mean, to me, as, as more of a moderating influence, perhaps, on on some of the things that uh, Dr. Jensen has said in, in recent months. He said, when questioned, I think we need to get past Trump and the election and all that. I think we need to move forward, quite honestly. I don't think we're doing any good going back two years, talking about things and complaining and just basically making noise and making any type of progress. So again, when asked about the election results, did Biden win? Uh, it sure seems like Matt Burke answered to the affirmative that yes he did let's turn the page and move forward could could this be part of of scott jensen's strategy uh to appeal to independence i think it is and i think jensen is trying to sort of do two different things here first again he's facing a crowded field and he's carved off a fairly conservative wing for himself um, in hoping that the base is closer to him. And so I think that's the one thing that he's doing. But by putting Burke on, I think what he's hoping to do is if he can get the convention endorsement, is to uh, is now position himself going towards a primary, going towards a general election. Because he's going to have to, at the end of the day, Jensen and Burke are going to have to win over suburban voters. Right now, uh, Polls are suggesting that about 70% of, of Minnesotans in the suburbs support, for example, the, the governor's position, let's say, on, on, on masks and on, and on the virus. Um, this was an issue that was important to Jensen. It's fading as an issue. So, so we have to be thinking about how, how do the Republicans um, position themselves in the suburbs, especially among college-educated suburban women, and win them over? Because that's the battleground. Um, and, and again, in general, Waltz has support there. So the, the Republicans need to figure out 
a way of reaching towards the center and I'm not sure Burke does that. Uh, um, he's, 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 he's portraying himself as a centrist, but I'm not sure um, his pick gets um, Jensen, uh, let's say, that wide swath of suburban voters that he really needs. Interesting. Uh, Professor, based on polling that you've seen as of today, is Dr. Jensen the front runner in the GOP, or does Paul Gazelka still have the edge when, when you go you know, uh, up against uh, Governor Walls? Jensen seems to be the front runner within the party, Republican Party, um, and also has the um, you know the most fundraising at this point. But it, but but if we sort of do statewide polls, Jensen and Gazelka are both approximately in the same position um, compared to to Waltz, and so they haven't really broken through yet. Let us say beyond the Republican base to capturing the attention, again, of the suburban you know, and independent voters. So, again, that's their challenge. So I would say right now that Jensen's got the better chance within the party, uh, but both of them face this you know, uphill you know, battle at this point to, to reach out to a broader constituency. Last question, Professor Schultz, and thank you for bearing with me here. I'm just curious. A lot of people lament sure. the fact that we don't have a third party. Uh, an independent party, a centrist party. Uh, we do have the forward party now, and Corey Heppola, formerly from CCO, is uh, out campaigning, and I've seen some of his videos. Is he moving the needle? What are the prospects for Mr. Heppola? Well, it's, it's you, know, you know, we're a state that last elected an independent governor back in 1998 with Jesse Ventura. We used to have a good tradition of supporting third-party candidates. You know, Minnesota politics, like national politics, has become more polarized. I think it's harder now for a third-party candidate, um, you know, to sort of emerge um, than it was before. Now, Heppola does have some advantage. He's got some name recognition for many years being on CCO, and that will help him. But, but I just don't know right now if he's got enough of an identity uh, or enough of, let's say, a passionate following in the way that Governor Ventura did to sort of really, you know, catch fire. And so I think his challenge is going to be to convert that celebrity ship over into the passion, again, over into fundraising. And I think the Democrats need to worry more than Republicans, because when I look at where, where Corey is at this point, his positions seem a little bit closer, I would say, to Waltz than they do to the Republicans. And so I think the Democrats need to be concerned about the fact that, let's say, even if Corey only gets five or six percent of the vote, you know, I think more of that's going to come out of the Democrats' hide than it's going to come out of the Republican hide. Interesting. Political science professor extraordinaire from Hamlin University, Dave Schultz. Thank you, Prof. I really appreciate you stepping up and spending some time with us today, Dave. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you, Professor. Wow. A lot to unpack there. All right. Um, when we come back, a few show highlights and, and some things that stood out. We, we talked to a job recruiter about things that uh, employees are looking for and things that employers are looking for. And I was surprised. You may be, too. Next. Baseball is back. They reached a deal earlier this afternoon. It needs to be formally ratified. Mike Max says that's pretty much a a pre pre done uh, 
what's the right word I'm looking for? Foregone conclusion. Is that what you're looking for? Huh? Foregone conclusion? Foregone conclusion. Thank you. I think I'm coming down with something. English is hard. Do not feel good. (laughs) I do not feel good. Um, But the least of our problems right now. Foregone conclusion. Thank you. Uh, We talked with Mike Max on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker hotline, and he summed up that April 7th is the target date. They tabled the international draft, which was a real sticking point yesterday, and said, we'll revisit that by July 25th. And and basically, that cleared the way for them, because they knew they were close on the other issues, to fill it in so that they could get back to work. So I, I don't think most of these things you know, are out of the grasp of most of the fans, and you've got to really study it or want to know economics to know about it. The bottom line is they're going to be playing baseball again with a tentative target date of April 7th, uh, as the um, as the first game, and I assume then they're going to try to get in all 162 games or close to. Uh, and I don't know if they'll just resume the schedule wherever it is right now, or you know, because that could be the Twins' home opener. Uh, all those things yet to be worked out and figured out. But uh, it really doesn't matter right now because they're going to be playing baseball sooner than later. Yes, they are. What do you think about the shift, DJ? I think you uh, should be able to play wherever you want. I don't think they should make a rule against the shift. I know some people have suggested they do that, and you have to play you know, two infielders on each side of the infield. But you know, I, I think if, uh, if teams are going to shift like that, you've got to learn how to bunt the ball. You've got to change your approach. And that's how the game of baseball has evolved for over 100 years, and it should continue to evolve. We shouldn't artificially force it to be a certain way. Okay, you make a good point. What about nine-inning doubleheaders? Why? Why do we need that? Well, I, uh, I think we should absolutely have nine inning doubleheaders because a, a baseball game should be a baseball game. The rules of that game, when it starts, should be the same. Whether you're playing one today or two today or it's the day after an off day or the day before an off day or it's a postseason game or whatever, a baseball game is nine innings. And those games should be the same, whether it's the first game or last game or whenever it is. Okay. You yeah. make a compelling case. Yeah, well, I like baseball. If you can back it up with data and evidence, and uh, when yeah. uh, when I play softball, we always shift, especially with two outs and a guy on first base. You play the shortstop kind of out in the outfield a little bit, and then have the second baseman cheat over. I know you know what I'm talking about. I played second base yeah. in oh, the yeah. league. I did. I was the yeah. second baseman. Okay, that's where I played too. It's a you know. If you're decent at fielding but you don't have a very good arm, you play at second base because it's a yeah. short throw. Yeah I, yeah, I get you. I'm with you. Yeah. And I knew fairly early on that I was not going to make it to the majors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I needed a plan B and a yeah. plan C. <laughs> and my parents were crushed. What you? Anyway. All right. Thank you, DJ. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep coming back to you. Ask DJ. We should do a segment, a twin segment. <laughs> With you. Okay. I'm sufficiently impressed. I am. All right. You know how to keep book? No, you don't even know what that means. Okay, never no. mind. What, are you speaking English? What are, uh, I don't speak your language. Yeah, you're not even into baseball. Okay, keep going. No, I, I, I enjoy baseball. Mm-hmm. I just I don't get into the minutiae. Okay. And, and look, if that's what you love, you love the statistics, mm-hmm. the deep dive, the analytics, go for it. I just enjoy having the game on and following the game. Come to think of it, we did go to one game last year, and you left in like the bottom of the sixth inning or something like that. That should have well, been my tip-off that, 
you're not really into it. I mean, would you go to a Penn State? Would you fly out to Pennsylvania and go to a Penn State game and then, you know, it's like a tie game in the third quarter and walk out? I've done that. What? I did that once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. Yeah, we left early. Because I, I have this irrational fear. I don't want to be stuck with tens of thousands of fans trying to leave the stadium. And then you wait for hours trying to get out of the... Uh, and, and that happened during an Ohio State game. We were behind. I left early. My wife, Lori, protested. She said, you're an idiot. Why are we leaving early? We pay stupid money for these seats. And Penn State came back in OT and won the game. Yeah, that's... I could hear the cheers from our hotel two miles away. And that, that makes... was a tip-off yeah. that, that, that we had won the game since then. I've never left okay. a Penn State okay. game early, and, and I apologize for leaving the Twins game early. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, never, never leave early. Why would you – if you're not going to stay for the whole thing, don't even bother going. I don't want to be stuck at a parking ramp. Yeah, but you'd fly all the way across the country and pay all this money for the – and then you, you wimp out because you're scared of spending an extra 20 minutes in a parking ramp? Oh, no, I've, I've been stuck in parking ramps for, like, a couple hours. Well, then go park somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah. Or stay in tailgate afterwards. No, I, I, need a, I need a therapist. There's obviously yeah, yeah. something okay. terribly wrong with me. <laughs> terribly wrong. But when, when we come back, I want to share something that lifted my spirits today. I'm feeling kind of blue. Um, but this really lifted my spirits. And hopefully it'll do the same for you next. Well, guys, as the war in Ukraine continues, a lot more American companies are distancing themselves from Russia. And I mean a lot more. I mean, one of the major companies is Starbucks. They just closed all 130 of their stores over there. Yeah. And that was just on one street. Wow. <laughs> There's always Dunkin' Donuts, but Putin was like, Niet, that's what America runs on. <laughs> and the company that owns Pizza Hut, KFC, and Taco Bell suspended its operations in Russia. I had no idea Taco Bell was popular in Russia. I guess it explains why everyone sits 50 feet apart from each other. You, know, it's like... <laughs> you get gas for a buck 29, right? The funniest thing I've heard all week. Thank you for sharing that, DJ. Oh, my goodness. Yes, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Trying to poke fun at uh, something that... that Obviously, is not funny. I'm I'm curious, uh, DJ Winter is how old is she? Four now? Almost next month. Almost four. Yep. Is, is she uh, a Frozen fan? Does, <laughs> does she know Frozen? Let it go. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. She knows all of that. Her favorite is um, "Do You Want to Build a Snowman?" I think is the one she likes to play. And if we just play those on repeat for decades, she'd be happy. Well, she is your child. I. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised she likes to play in the snow and she embraces winter with a name like winter. I don't know if you heard this story. Um, a little seven-year-old girl, a Ukrainian girl by the name of Emilia Anasovich, attracted worldwide attention by belting out Let It Go, the theme from Frozen, Edina Menzel's signature song back in 2013. She, along with her terrified classmates were herded down into an underground bomb shelter and her friends were scared 
And so she just started singing. And by the way, there's a happy ending. She and her classmates did make it to Poland to safety. Thank God for the Poles for welcoming everybody in. But we want to leave you with uh, a jolt of optimism, a reminder that good things come in little packages. The incredible resilience of the human spirit, thanks to a seven-year-old. Here's what it sounded like. Have a great evening. We'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs> We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.